F1 is back, and once again, we are in the fly. I'd say once again, like we haven't been already, we are in the flyaway seasons. Can you tell it's getting a bit late in, in, in the UK? Welcome back to Grid Talk. My name is Tom Downey, and here today we are going to discuss qualifying for the 2023 Qatari Grand Prix. Joining me, we have a, the one and only Charlie White. Everyone. Good evening, sir. And we also have Aaron Harper from AHGP. Good evening, chaps. Good evening, sir. Before we get into this episode, we must thank our sponsor, Bet Online. So, Bet Online, as I'm sure we're all aware, is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and massive reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's online, where the game starts. And also, we have new socials, which are at GridTalkUK, so please go ahead and drop us a follow. That's Instagram, TikTok, no, I think TikTok, I don't know. I'm sending Instagram, Twitter, X, that one, and Facebook. Those are the main ones. Now that the housekeeping is out of the way, gentlemen, the 2023 Qatar Grand Prix weekend has kicked off. We're back with the sprint weekend. I'm not going to go over the sprint format format because this is quality. And if you want to hear our thoughts on the sprint, please go and listen to the preview show, which went out in the week. So, first of all, I'm going to come see... I'm just going to figure out because I want to make sure that I give certain people certain drivers because I think it could be a bit spacey. So, Aaron, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the arduous task of talking about Alfa Romeo. I know we're friends, but I know sometimes needs must. What's his face? No, not what's his face. Joe Badiou. I couldn't think of his name then. I kept thinking of uh, Alfa Romeo. Uh, no, Alfa Tauri. Not, not Alfa Romeo. Can you tell we're professionals? It's all gone downhill already, isn't it? So, Joe Badiou qualified last, a spot usually reserved for one of the Williams drivers. He had a week off this week. And then Valtteri Bottas, bit of, bit of misfortune for Perez, pushed him up in, into Q3 and he ended up qualifying P9. Obviously, slightly mixed results for them, you could say, in, in qualifying. Do you think they'll have any chance of anything tomorrow, or are we just going to insert audio clip of us saying waiting for the Audi money? I think it was a decent effort from Alfa Romeo. Bottas, they were saying on the commentary on Sky that it goes well when you have to underdrive the front axle, and that sort that's a very sort of niche scenario which has occurred this weekend in Qatar with the resurfaced track. For Joe, disappointing. I didn't really see any of his Q1 because I was busy making dinner because <laughs> it was tea time in the UK when qualifying started. We were t- I was trying to multitask around that. And as the saying goes, men can't. So I missed him. But yeah, P20, not what he would have been looking for. But for Bottas, that's actually a decent return to form. That's the Bottas we've expected. And if the car's on song... He'll be able to do those sort of performances. But the Alfa Romeo car is just holding both drivers back. I think it's very circuit-specific and not as in a lot of circuits. A few circuits it will probably go quite well at. It went pretty well in Hungary. It's gone gone so far this weekend. I don't think they'll be able to score points. For one, there's Lando Norris behind Bottas. Sainz and Perez are well out of position. Sonoda has looked quick as well, so... I don't see points on the horizon for Alfa Romeo, but they're in a decent starting position to capitalise on some misfortune of other drivers. But last time they were in a good position to do that, they were the drivers having misfortune in Hungary. 
Yeah, that's it's a good point about the characteristics of this circuit and the making comparisons to Hungary. I just hope that Sunday doesn't go out there. Sunday did in in Hungary this year, um, but yeah. Also, you said about underperforming and, and all the rest of it. That that is a good point, and you did make a good point. Certainly, I think just for my opinion, for what it's worth, that was a bit of a sort of glimpse of the old Bottas. Maybe Streamland does mull up for this weekend, so he's got more aerodynamics. I don't know, but uh, Charlie. You are our resident Canadians, unfortunately not quite so home team, but we'll get on to that certain driver you'll have him next, don't you worry. Pass. Hockenberg uh, has won the head-to-head between himself and K-Mac this year. K-Mac was one of the only two drivers to knock into the 126s in Q1. He's qualified P19 and Hockenberg has qualified P15. Then Hockenberg was just a hair's breadth behind Albon in Q2. What can they do? And aside from nuke that car and focus on next year, which I'd imagine they're already doing, and maybe change their drivers, which they're not going to, do you think they've got any chance of anything, bearing in mind what we've seen from them in races so far this season? Alkenberg just is doing what he's usually doing, and like you said, he outperformed Magnussen again, but the only person to not outperform Magnussen this year is Lawson. On or the stretch of the season, Lawson's ahead of him, ahead of him uh, this weekend. But it's just it's the Haas being Haas, and I said it before, and I just want to go just touch back to it in that Hulkenberg can push that car probably further than it really should be, and I know it's not a stretch for a, an incredibly bad car, especially now that the AlphaTauri is starting to come back. But at the end of the day. No matter what team you're on, no matter how bad your car is, your job as a driver on qualifying is to put your car in a position where it can fight for any sort of points because it doesn't matter. We've seen Hulkenberg do incredibly well with their qualifying. Uh, he was up in, in Canada. He did quite well. And he's been you know, mid-pack quite a few times, which is a good start. But you have to be able to hold that because even if he... You know, got 11th and held 11th for every race of the season, he'd still have zero points. The Haas just yeah, nukes the car because they're not going to get anywhere at this point. Hulkenberg with 15th, he's far off. Even Sonoda's now ahead of him in the Williams. The teams that they were ahead of are now creeping ahead of them and on race day they're, they're, they're not going to get past them. The warm temperatures too because the Haas the hash just eat through tires to begin with, and everybody knows rubber is it melts away as you drive around a track at high speeds, and the increase on the temperature will it'll just chew through. So I don't expect anything brilliant from them. And while say while your job is to try and get it up there, I don't I don't think they can even pull that off to even attempt to get points on race day. Yeah, I guess you could say they simply has to do better. I'm sorry. I know, Aaron, yeah, don't look at me like that. We've been friends long enough for you to expect that. But speaking of you, Aaron, Alpha Tauri, a team that has had quite a difficult year this year, obviously being through a couple of drivers. They're currently on driver pairing three of the season with drivers number driver numbers one and four. They look like they are, I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to be better the rest like they were for brief periods in 2021 and stuff. Yuki Sonoda, P11, not that far off Q3, 
Liam Lawson P18, a bit more of a struggle, but he was still, he still comprehensively beat two other drivers on the grid. And he wasn't that far behind Lance Stroll. That's not the br- humble break you think it is. Neither has been that far behind Logan Sargent, to be fair. But it was still a decent showing from, from Lawson, one could say. Do you think we are seeing a bit of a, not resurgence, but a bit of a upward streak from the fans' outfit? It definitely improved over the last few races. And whether they'd have had similar results with Daniel Ricciardo behind the wheel is subject to question because um, he's coming in off of seven or eight months out of the car. Liam Lawson has been in a racing car most of this year and for all uh, intents and purposes, driving very well. And he's continued that. Okay, P18 on the grid for Sunday doesn't represent that, but his performances already have cemented him within the hearts of the F1 community in terms of he's a potential driver for the future who could do a very good job. Whether that's at Alpha Tauri, whether that's at Red Bull, whether it's somewhere else, remains to be seen. Uh, it's good for Yuki Snowder as well to see him up in the around the top 10 because there's always been a lot of expectation around him considering how quickly he arrived in Formula 1 and to see him deliver on that is always good. You just worry that he then gets vaulted into the Red Bull Sea of Doom and that's the end of his career. But he can only keep doing what he's doing in the Alpha Tauri and he's generally done a good job he did a good job again tonight he tends to go well around Qatar circuit that maybe plays to his style plays to his strength maybe that he enjoys a lot again points will be difficult because I don't think they have the outright pace this is a circuit that rewards downforce and a car that's stable so they're going to rely on misfortune of others I think and maybe a well-timed safety car something like that but considering the barriers are so far away, you're going to need someone to be beached in the gravel trap or have an accident on the pitch straight to cause proper mayhem. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a green race the whole way through. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see AlphaTauri fall to sort of 14th, 15th with both cars, although that would mean that Lawson comes forward. There, I think there are some cars ahead of him that he does have better race pace than. Again, we'll wait and see, but... Unfortunately, I think points are slightly beyond that. They might be able to snipe maybe a 10th or a 9th position. Yeah, and AlphaTauri very much this season, they they have like they picked up the odd point here and there. They're, they're definitely on, on their way back, I think we can say. Um, but, but yeah, they've obviously got a long way to go. Charlie, Aston Martin. There are a couple of talking points with this, and... One of the ones that we're going to mention, I want to cover off at the end of this show without sounding like I'm directing you, so to speak. Please don't think that's what I'm doing. We're just going to look at the qualifying performance because there is obviously that stroll incident that we're going to talk about afterwards. So I don't want to get both to it. So, Martin, Lance Stroll hit the lofty heights of P17 on merit, whilst his teammate was P3 in that session and has qualified P4 overall. Uh, Aston Martin, what can we say about them after such a good start to the season? Are we, are they good to get anything on Sunday? Is, do you think Stroll could end up being in the points? Do you think Alonso will be able to hold his position? Do you think they'll fall back? There were so many variables on the preset. I've just dumped quite a lot at you there. Aston Martin, bit of a weird enigma. So how do you think they're going to fare on Sunday? For Stroll, 17th is much better than his 20s. 
that he's been racking up since, I guess, an improvement there. But consistently this year when we did the, I don't have the, the up-to-date numbers, but just throw them back to when we did the, our mid-season driver gradings, he was Alonzo and you're in the same car. And our usual measuring stick on this show is what are you going to do against your teammate? Because you have the same hardware. And Alonzo being Alonzo, yes, he P4. And I don't think he'll hold P4, but he's Alonzo. So he'll give it a, he'll give it a, a, the lion's fight and defend his spot like a lion and all that stuff he likes to say. I don't think Aston Martin, and Stroll won't, go, if Stroll gets ahead of Sargent, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't spin it into the wall or. No, I won't go down that route because we're going to cover that later. <laughs> but no, I think Alonzo, I think he can do Alonzo things. He'll give it a fight. I don't think he'll fall out of points by any means. There are some people out of position, as Aaron said, with uh, Norris and Perez and Sainz. But the Aston Martin are just, they're being nickeled and dimed away as they just fall down the, st- the standings. Now, and by that, just the race standings, not constructors yet, but it's not that far out. I still think Norris, Piastri, if they have a good race t- tomorrow, like you just chip away. I still think McLaren can catch them and take them at the rate things are going, especially given one half of it, uh, given after today. Yeah, the race is Sunday. It's, yeah, it, it's, yes. Yes. There is a race, sorry, sprints, small, but yeah, so yeah, obviously this session, just for the benefit of, of anybody listening, that does indeed cover Sunday. Don't worry, Charlie, I've, I've got it written down in front of me. I've got it in bold, races Sunday, because otherwise I will keep referring to it as tomorrow. But yes, no, we will cover off that solid instance in a little bit, but we just need to quickly go, I say quickly, just skin to the rest of the drivers and teams. Aaron, Ferrari, bit of a mixed bag for them today. Carlos Sainz got knocked out in Q2, bearing in mind he's been on pole for, excuse me, two out of the four races since we've been back from the summer break. Obviously his home race and then in Singapore where he won. It's a bit unfortunate to see him drop down, or drop, not progress in, into Q3. So he went out in P12, well, somebody still ahead of Perez, but that's not difficult. And then Leclerc is P5 in 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 Q3, and then what's we'll start, he starts P5 tomorrow. Just for the benefit of anybody listening, these positions we're mentioning, these are the confirmed ones at the time of recording, which is we're what about an hour and a quarter since the session ended. So we haven't heard anything else since. And also Leclerc did the most amount of laps in calling. He did 26 laps all in all, um, which is interesting. Not that really matters. Do you think Sainz can get in the points tomorrow? Do you think Leclerc can maybe have a sniff at a podium? I would expect Sainz to be in the points on Sunday, and Leclerc probably won't do much better than fifth because this is going to be a circuit. I say this is going to be a circuit that's hard on tyres. I think what you might get is that thermal de- degradation and like they overheat because the, the intensity of the corners, there's so many fast corners just relentlessly one after the other. And if it stays as blustery as it has been, expect to see Ferraris just randomly darting off the track like they were tonight. I think that's the explanation for Leclerc doing so many laps was he was literally blown off the track on some of them and had to go and do another run. And I think that's part of the reason why Sainz was down in 12th because he just couldn't get a lap together and he couldn't probably get confidence in the car to deliver the lap time. So... It was both sides of the sword, really, for Ferrari. They had a car that was getting blown off course, 
and they had one driver who couldn't extract anything from him through a lack of confidence. That's pure speculation about the confidence thing. But yeah, Ferrari will be disappointed for signs, but pleased that Leclerc is at least there to challenge the Mercedes. Race pace, we'll see what happens tomorrow in the sprint and what everybody's got over a longer distance. Could be the Ferrari has stumbled on a setup that works well over multiple laps, but we have seen that Mercedes has been stronger in race pace than it has in that has been in qualifying. So for them to be behind Mercedes on Friday in qualifying doesn't bode well. No, it doesn't. And Mercedes do have a very good race pace this season, like you mentioned. Yes, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they got on. In true Tom Downey fashion, I have messed up the order and I meant to give you Williams, but you spoke about Ferrari. Charlie, Williams. We haven't talked about Williams yet, have we? No. No, I'm going actually mad tonight. It's been a long week. So yeah, so Williams, local sergeant, P16, was on the cusp of getting into QC, to be fair, got knocked out by his teammate who just beat him. I think track evolution definitely helped. And then Albon has qualified P14 in the end. How do you rate both drivers today and what do you think they can do in the Grand Prix on Sunday? It was nice to not see Sergeant in last for once, which is good. Always, I fundamentally, I like Williams. I like rooting for them as a kind of an underdog team. They, they would say, think of me what you will for that, but. I don't think they're going to do too much more than what they squeaked out now. With the wind and everything and qualifying, yes, granted, those cars are going to be buffeted around. Hopefully Albon can keep it in the track limits this time because that last one, he got blown out. There was no debate on his last on that last run where he was, I don't know, a car with, car and a half with, off the outside the racing track. So for Williams, I think it's just to keep your nose clean and, if you can chip your way up there, sure, with Albon. But I, I don't expect too much from them, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I've got to be honest, I agree with you. I don't think it's a suit that's going to particularly suit them. It's, you know, it's, it's a bit too high down force. And, you know, to, you know, it's it's not a very Williams suit. So, Aaron, God, you're getting all the fun drivers tonight. Oh, no, actually, no, to, to be fair, you are a fair bit. McLaren, first off, there were a couple of fact I missed infringements. Uh, for, for them, ultimately, it cost Lando P3, and then it cost his teammate P3, as as Gashley found that out. Whilst he was being interviewed for qualifying P3, yeah, that was a little bit unfortunate. Um, so, yeah, so Lando had, I've got it here, he had one, two... We, if that four laps and deleted for track limits, and Piastri had two or three, so not great for them. Ultimately, Piastri P6, Lando dropped down to P10 as he didn't actually have a lap time for Q3. Not the ideal place where they want to be on Sunday, and one could argue not a true representation of the pace in that car. Do you think they can certainly overtake? the likes of Bottas and maybe start beefing with uh, the Ferraris and maybe even one of the Mercs in front. And it's going to be tough. They need to qualify well tomorrow for the sprint and bag probably a double podium in that to collect some extra points because the, the McLaren has excelled through corners since the upgrade. What it doesn't do is straight particularly well. 
So considering the length of the straight in Qatar, they might find it difficult to overtake, especially a Ferrari, which has been quick. The Aston Martin in Alonso's hands has been fast down the straights as well. If they can catch Mercedes, they'll probably get past that because that thing runs with a parachute attached to its back. Um, but yeah, they'll be pointed with the fact that they are 10th and 6th, having legitimately, legitimately, they had the legitimate pace to be on the front two rows of the grid. And with Lando, he would have been on the front row of the grid. I've seen a lot of people complaining that F1 should have had the deletion quicker. It took too long for first of all for Lando and then for Oscar to find out while he's being interviewed. I'm racking my brains and I feel like there was someone else who was interviewed and found out that they had been booted off the podium or something before. It might have been Verstappen in the cool-down room all those years ago. But let's not kid ourselves. This is the same same system that brought us the shambles that was the post-race in Austria and the Gillian penalties that were dished out after that. As long as they come to the right decision, I suppose that's fine because we have seen technology and sport come to the wrong decision this week and that has not gone down well anywhere. As long as it's the right decision, I think it's fine. And they did get there. Both drivers were exceeding track limits, which was a shame because McLaren have been excellent in the last few races, but they get a chance to show us they're excellent in a different way. We get to see Oscar and Lando go racing. They've got to race other people. They've got to go and overtake them and make up the positions. And we know Lando and Oscar can do that. So it's going to be fun to watch them come through. Yeah, and we've we've seen what those two can do, especially when the backs are up against the wall. I, I, I certainly, certainly favour favor Lando working his way through. Plasty, we'll see. But yes, who have we got left? Charlie, very quickly, Alpine. Both cars into Q3. This is a, almost a bit of a surprise given the lot. They haven't had a car in Q3 or both cars in Q3 for quite a while. And certain, yeah, it looks relatively quick. Do you think those power units can actually make it the whole race before they explode in the heat? Or do you think so? Do the very Renault thing and just go bang with about a third of the race to go? But Alpine, I think it's just you're playing craps at that point. Just let's roll the dice and see what happens. It's more of the it's more of the excitement than actually watching them try and compete for anything, because they're in the as you were saying beforehand. They're in the middle. They can't go up. They can't go down. They're just there. And with this sick this seven and eight qualifying spot, I will go back to I think that they could they could play some interesting spoiler. Norris has to try and get through two Alpines, and you never know. Albon fended off Norris. Maybe Alcon can too. It's, they're not bad drivers by any means. It's just they're Alpine. Well, what, what more can you say? They're Alpine. They are the blue Ferrari, which is not the humble brag that people may think it is. But yeah, I, I, I want to see them go well. Aaron, uh, you're going to like these. You're going to this one. Mercedes is the FURR resident. Uh, one of the resident Merck fanboys that we have. Just, yeah, no, no, you are a big, you are obviously a big Merck fan. Very good result for your boys today. Russell P2 and then Hamilton after, after penalty, so in track damage for others. P3. People can say what they like about that. And if, if people who are watching this think, that, oh God, Tom doesn't like Hamilton. Let me say this Hamilton got P3 because he was one of the few drivers who actually didn't get anything deleted for track limits. So if that, people can say, oh, the drivers will pick it. 
Other drivers are quicker because they went off the circuit and took liberties for the fact they missed quite the time. So they said, right, these people probably don't think that I'll stick up for Hamilton, but I absolutely will. Paul's also can get in a bin, though. <laughs> I'm not joking. Look, it's not a particularly long run down to turn one. I was going to say tomorrow. I've even got it in block cuts, like I said, on Sunday. Do you, we've seen it certainly in, in Australia, but again, wasn't a particularly long run down to turn one, and George Russell made an absolute mega max. Do you think there's a possibility we could see a Merck leading into turn one on Sunday, Aaron? Definitely a possibility because Verstappen and Red Bull aren't famed for their getaways. Just like you said, Australia, short run. If you get a good launch, then there's not much time to defend it. It's definitely an opportunity, and Hamilton generally makes very good starts. The, ironically, the last bad start he made was Hungary when he was on pole position, but it feels like an opportunity for Mercedes to really hammer home a big result, and they've got their prime opposition right behind them in Alonso and Leclerc, Braston and Ferrari, so as long as they don't start having a ding-dong line they did at Suzuka, I think they'll be okay. But I think there would have been some words said in terms of this is how we're going to deal with things, boys, moving forward. The Suzuka situation, I think, was a very specific set of circumstances. I think this will be different. Obviously, they'll both want to go for the win. And there's, there's an opportunity. If you can get in front, you might just be able to stay there. But if it's a Red Bull behind you, and it's being driven by Max Verstappen, that probably won't last very long. In terms of their qualifying performance, they've got a bit fortunate. Let's not lie. They've been lucky to be promoted to second and third on the grid. But like you said, they kept it within the white lines. And it's hero and zero stuff in this sport. Lando Norris would have looked like an absolute hero if he'd got within three tenths of Verstappen. But he crossed that white line. And once he crossed the line, there's no coming back, which is unfortunate for him. But for Mercedes, great opportunity. And if they can put themselves in position to capitalise on any misfortune that falls for Stappen's way, he might wrap up the title tomorrow afternoon and then just decide, do you know what? I don't need to race on Sunday. I'll put my feet up and watch it with everybody else. They might even be on pole position in that sense. I doubt that'll happen. But if something does happen to Verstappen during the race, they want to be front row to take advantage of that. And that's where they are at the moment. I like your wishful thinking. And we definitely saw it last year where after Max won the title, he said, yeah, I'll just take it easy. I'll let Checker win his home race. Yeah, because that will definitely happen, mate. But yeah, fair enough. And like you said, they, they are in absolutely zip. There's a sort of prime position or pole position, one could say, for if something does go wrong, if it's an issue, they could potentially never win. And we've seen how good their race pace is, and especially how good Bessel is at running an alternate strategy, even if it doesn't work out, and provided it's on a street circuit. But yes, Charlie, that leaves uh, Red Bull. So Max was on pole by six tenths, and he was seven tenths in the first half of Q3. He was the only driver into the 123s, and when others were trying to beat his time, he had already hopped out the car. I think that tells us all we need to know. Granted, he did make a mistake going into turn five, but let's be fair, I don't think he was ever really in doubt. His teammate, Sergio Perez, who... If he's 13 after having after being on the cusp anyway in Q2, and it was it looked like he's going to make it through to sort of sneak it through, uh, and then has a lot of time to lose it for track limits. How many times do we need to have this conversation? Max, yeah, well done, P1, you're going to win tomorrow, and congrats and win the championship, and well done, lads. But Perez, on a weekend where he needed to 
have a clean weekend and not have any little basic errors. He goes and does that. Um, first of all, let's. Sorry, I was thinking then. I was just pausing because I was about to say something, and then I realised we'll make that a talking point after this. First of all, how do you think Perez and Maxwell do on? I think I think we know what we're going to what you can say, for Max. But Perez, do you think he'll think he'll stand a chance of getting it into the middle of the points? It's hard to say right now because we're. Uh, I I think it was Owen was saying that he thinks Leclerc is shaky or something mentally is working against him. If something's working against mentally against Leclerc, I think it's twice as bad for poor old Checo. He just can't seem to string together any successes lately. And I think it's the old hockey adage of just gripping your stick too tight. He's trying too hard because he knows the pressure is on. And the more you try, the more harder you try, the more you try and squeeze that, it just slips through your fingers. And then you get more frustrated and it just, it's, it culminates. And then he, he was on saying that if that, that the media treatments and all this kind of stuff. And, and then it's just all that additional stuff is just, I think it's eroding away at Chaco. So I don't think, I don't think we'll see him fight for anything more than maybe sixth, maybe get ahead of some of the ones that tumble down, like the, the Alpines and, and such, but Max will be Max and it will be decided tomorrow, actually tomorrow in the sprint, <laughs> but he'll still sail away and it'll be into the sunset and just keep racking up the points. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a fair point on both of those. So th- those are our driver or the RT. I look at quite. So I mentioned earlier that we do have a talking point and I'm just conscious of time, obviously. So if anybody who didn't see it, and Jarius, I've, I've seen you in chat. Good evening, sir, by the way. I hope you're doing well. Thrall had a little incident, as Manfred puts it, at the end of Q1. Obviously, once again, not very good. Teammate was high up, and how many times have we said it this season where Stroll needs to do better? He gets back to his garage, and the car gets wheeled in, and then the TV footage cuts to, I think it was a replay, of him hopping out the car, obviously very annoyed, possibly a bit irate. And we see his physio wagging a finger. Now, whether that finger wag was like encouragement or good job, or if it was meant to, to be like, you need to do better, we don't know. And Stroll is then seen lifting his right with his hamster on, lifting his visor, having a couple of, obviously having some form of vocal exchange. We couldn't understand, we couldn't hear what that exchange was. We then saw him quite forcefully serve his physio. Now... In a sport that's in the public eye, and especially with the rise of F1 on social media, certainly over the last, well, since Liberty Media took over, I want to get both of your two thoughts on the incident. When I say thoughts on it, what what do you think should happen to someone who does that in this sense, and what you think will happen, if anything? Aaron, I'll go to you first. So I've just outlined the incident. Just. Uh, you've got 90 seconds. Uh, I I don't think too much will happen. I think it'll be kept behind closed doors. I think that's where it should be dealt with as well. So you'd hope that the team principal, Mike Crack, will speak to Lance, speak to his physio, establish exactly what's happened. What we do have to remember is obviously he's hot, as in he's come out the cockpit. It, it literally, he stepped out the cockpit. We've seen it. And the frustration is at his peak 
at that point. That being said, no excuse for physically touching somebody else in the way that he did. And then his conduct in the interview afterwards, I thought was unacceptable as well, because the media pay for the rights to broadcast the sport across the world, make these drivers superstars, multimillionaires, and then he comes out and gives two, three word answers. Some of them, some of the words you can't even repeat on a podcast or on live TV. So disappointing. I know there is frustration. I've played sport. I know exactly how annoying it is when you don't have things go your way, but to start pushing and shoving people, swearing at people who don't deserve that, he needs to have a look himself. Hopefully he comes out and there is some form of apology and then we can just move on from there because there are bigger problems for Lance Stroll on the track than there are off the track at the moment and he needs to sort out the on-track stuff. Yeah, that's 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 a, that's a very in, in, interesting take on it, Charlie. So I've, I've obviously out in the instance again. It comes to you. So what are your thoughts and what do you think should happen? I think it's bloody unacceptable, and that's there's like it's absolutely ridiculous that you would hop. I and I understand he did. You had a bad day and all that stuff, but you are a professional at the highest level of sport. You should be also be able to keep your head as well, especially with all the cameras going in terms of what should be done. The hockey league that we cover, which is one of the highest levels of junior for my day job, it now has fighting as a suspension and it's hockey. So for racing, if you give somebody a good old shove like that and get into it, is it a suspension? Is it a fine? I know that the teams have to police themselves, but at the end of the day, the FIA is the governing body should also look at it and go, no, like this is also the brand that we're trying to represent. And it's, I don't know, it's, I, I'm all for being Johnny Canuck. I like being Johnny Canuck on the podcast, but it, as it, I can't support a Canadian or my fellow Canadian with doing nonsensical stuff like that. It's just bad for everybody. And it makes them just look like a rich, spoiled kid which is what everyone perceives him as oh he just had a temper tantrum and it makes him look very bad yeah that's that's quite a good way of putting it it's only for my safe on it first of all it's hot and i don't know because i'm the host i used to say in past on the scenes but i'm going to give my viewpoint on it first of all it's wholly inappropriate and unacceptable to shove someone in a workplace and whilst yes this is sport and this is televised you don't go to work regardless of how well paid or how poorly paid you may be you do not go to work expecting to be physically physically touched and physically pushed regardless of how much level of force there is if i went now i work remotely say for example i went into my in, in, into the office and say for example i got that something had gone wrong which is what has effectively happened with stroll if you look at that way something has gone wrong and Stroll has misdirected his anger at someone so say for example i made an error in work or i got something wrong in work and then I had a colleague, say for example, a colleague was going on and that, that wasn't right and they wagged the finger. If I then went and shoved them, I'd be up for disciplinary. I would be pulled up by HR, I'd be put through the rigmarole and right, because you do not go to work. This, this Charles Physio or whoever it was, Charles Physio does not go to work to be expected to be shoved by someone who he works with. And I fully understand that 
Thor is under a lot of pressure. There is increased speculation about his seat. He's been comprehensively beaten by his teammates. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But that is absolutely no excuse for him going into his garage and shoving someone like that. Now, I'm not saying that, that he stood there and went turned around like Mike Tyson. Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying that he thus beating the living daylight out of him, but it is grossly inappropriate for an employee, which is what Stroll is, to shove, to assault, it is assault, another employee, irrespective of the public eye, irrespective of the social media presence. If Aston Martin want to protect their brand, it should have been Stroll after Bahrain when he broke his wrist. If they want to protect their brand and protect potentially global investors, sponsors, I know they signed a big sponsorship thing with Cogniz that was being extended. Could you imagine Cogniz and they're like, oh yeah, we're great, we're, we're sponsors of Aston Martin. And, and then if someone goes and Googles Aston Martin F1 now, they're going to see Stroll shoving his engineer. You've got to think about that kind of thing as well. But even when you take that element out of it, Stroll has assaulted someone in the workplace. Whether the FIA will do anything, I doubt it, because it wasn't against another driver. It, they will probably say, I'll deal with it internally. And if it was Alonso or if it was someone else who didn't have the links that the driver of that seat has to that team, we'd be probably hearing something a bit different than what we're going to hear, if anything, about Stroll. And to then go out and throw an absolute drop in that interview... Yes, I know he's annoyed, but to go out, which is basically what he did, he always read a little grunted like I just did. I talked to Moffman, that's more coherent than what Stroll gave in his interview. He has a duty and a responsibility as a driver to set an example because people will look up to him. I don't know who, and God help them who they are, but people will look up to him as an individual because he is in a, a position of privilege, a position of influence. And it's just not okay to do that so that's my take on it and I'm sorry if this podcast has taken perhaps a little bit of a serious turn but I feel quite strongly about this because I've seen people get assaulted in the workplace and nothing happened and maybe it's a bit of a sort of touchy subject not anything that I've been through not anything I've done thankfully people I've directly worked with in the past in the seven been anything like this but I've seen things I have seen things in previous workplaces which have, have not been good and this is wholly unacceptable on that note, I don't want to end this podcast on, on a sour note, but I did want to get both of your uh, both of your input on it because it's, it is something which I do think we need to talk about, and I said I don't want to make it a big thing. On a funnier note, someone has edited the Lancelot Wikipedia page to call him a page driver. That is quite funny because I just Google saw to try and get to try and get a link to the video. But I just want to give both of you a quick chance to promo yourself whilst we wrap up. Charlie, I mentioned you're a broadcaster of living in sunny Canada. Um, did it give us a, just a bit about parts where we find you if, if you have a sort of certain brand you want, you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, I'm, I work for Eastlink Community TV, so we do all the local sports, hockey, baseball, football, American football, all that fun stuff. We do other shows too, but mainly my bread and butter is live sports broadcasting. There'll be stuff. And Aaron, I mentioned you, you are, I say pass up, you are AHCPs, please in the name. Where can we find you? Who are you? Why are you in my house? <laughs> so you can find me on the usual places, depending on what they want to call themselves on whichever day of the week, depending on what site and letter it's using. 
you know the one I'm talking about. I'm on Instagram, AHGP, Aaron Harper, Grand Prix, I think on X, Twitter, whatever it's called now, ElonMusk.com. I've got a personal in Twitter as well, which is Aaron Harper 41 but the channel is AHGP on YouTube, and I play F1 Manager, and you've got two guesses to know who I've picked for my save on there. It's Mercedes, and I'm trying to return them to the top of Formula 1. Tom is shocked that I've chosen Mercedes and not picked the easy option and taken the Red Bull and won every race, but that wouldn't make for good content, would it? No, what's your drivers crashing to each other? It's a lot more entertaining. See, it could be Red Bull if it was there from Manus in 2018, though. And yeah, as, as, as for myself, I am, aside from attempting to host uh, Grid Talk, I also blag my way through Formula Talk with one of the Grid Talk panels, Sophia. You can find that everywhere you find Grid Talk. And if you deal with it here, or Lord knows why, you can drop us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also, if you're not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe notification, comment, all that stuff down there somewhere. That's what the YouTubers do. Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live, but it's Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Podcasts. Just search Formula 1 Grid Talk for our back half of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results. Please also consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. Also, make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when each new weekly episode is released. We'll be back soon with plenty more F1 content. Thank you ever so much for listening to the Good Talk podcast presented by Bet Online. And goodbye.